Welcome to Let's Place. Games of the Decades is still going on. I'm still Luke. That's not going to change anytime soon, I don't think. It's a new decade, though. Who can say? I'm joined by Chelsea. Hi. And Crystal. I haven't talked to all of you since last decade. That's true. <laughs> we've got two guests here with us this evening. We've got Fabby. Hi, hi. And we've got Nick. Hello there. Hello. We are recording this on New Year's Day. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Ha, happy hey. New Year. New Year's Day is kind of a fake holiday, right? It's honestly, it's a day off from work, so I'm good. I like right. it. It's good. But like New Year's Eve is the holiday. Yes. Yeah. We don't get that one off, really. Enough. Well, it's because yeah. everyone's going to get drunk and and Right. Yeah, you need the so. hangover recovery day. So it's basically hangover day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great that everyone just enters a new year all the time, just completely hungover. <laughs> anyway, we still have two more decades to get through here. This week, we are covering the game of the 2000s. We're getting real close to modern day here. Break out your, your Homestar Runner merchandise and your Invader Zim hoodies, because it's 2000s time, baby. I never owned any of that. <laughs> I don't think I've said this in a podcast And this is a good group to say it to you For the longest time I would say up until 2016 I thought Homestar Runner And Homestuck was the same thing Yeah Ooh. yeah. I feel like we've really become unmoored As a society ever since we've lost A collective homestead For mm-hmm. everyone to rally around mm-hmm. uh, Someone needs to get on inventing The next one uh, but we're not going to do that here. Instead, we're going to talk about the games that have been nominated as the best of the t- previous... Well, the decade before the previous decade at this point. Golly. Fuck. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Two decades ago. So, like we've done with each of these, uh, each person on this episode has nominated a single game as their favorite game of the 2000s, and we're going to place each of them. Let's see here. Nick has nominated Metroid Prime. Fabby is nominated Mighty Jilloff. Mm-hmm. Chelsea is nominated Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door. Crystal is nominated Pathologic. And I've nominated Rock Band 2. Mm-hmm. Nick, let's start with you. Alrighty. Tell me about Metroid Prime and why it's the best game of the 2000s. Metroid Prime was a GameCube game that came out in the 2000s, and it was the first Metroid game since the Super Nintendo, because they skipped the N64, because they had no idea what to do. So Retro Studios developed it as a first-person shooter, but it wasn't really like a first-person shooter, it's more like a first-person adventure, and you run around, and you scan everything in sight, and you collect lore, and that's how you take in the story, and the atmosphere, and the lonesomeness, and the despair... And then you shoot shit, and then you explode explode an alien and a dragon. That's all true, and it's all great. I feel like, yeah, people talk about, like, environmental storytelling stuff a lot, and you hear a lot about, say, your Bioshocks or whatever. 
Metroid Prime kind of did a lot of that and did really good at it, like, very early on in the decade. Yeah. yeah. It's also, like, one of the only shooter games, first-person ones, that I can stand playing on a console. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It does have all that backtracking shit near the end, and that's not the best. Yeah. But, you know, hey, nothing's perfect. Uh, let's see what Moby Games has to say about Metroid Prime. Long ago, a bird-like race of creatures called the Chozo became extremely advanced technologically. But due to increasing violence in the universe, they began to hide and live more simple lives. The planet Talon 4 was the site of one of their colonies. Years later, a meteor crashed on Talon 4, releasing the strange element Phazon into the planet. Phazon poisoned anything it came in contact with, causing the plant and animal life to either die or mutate into a hideous form. The Chozo tried to control the power of Phazon, but failed. Before abandoning the planet, they were able to cover the impact crater with a temple and seal Phazon into the planet's core. This is just the entire fucking plot of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Metroid Prime is a change from the platform adventuring series, entering the first-person shooter genre for the first time. Players are now behind Samus Aran's visor and must use all their resources to investigate the pirate infestation of Talon 4. Players can use Samus's beam with missile and charge capabilities. Along the way, they must recover the bounty hunter's lost abilities like the Morph Ball and Grapple Beam, which allow them to reach unexplored areas of Talon 4. Players must piece together the story of the fallen Chozo to figure out what has happened to the poisoned planet and prevent the pirates from using the Phazon to wreak havoc throughout the planets. Has anyone not played Metroid Prime here? Me. Me. I've never played a Metroid. Dang. Dang. They do not appeal to me in the Mm -hmm. least. They appeal to me less than Mario platformers appeal to me. They appeal to me less than Halo. It's okay. I like him enough for the both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Metroid is a good series. When it's good, it's good. There's, there's some bad Metroids out there. <laughs> but this is not one of them. I like this game. Let's figure out where it belongs on the list. I got nothing else. We're starting at game number 307. Crystal, I think I just heard you say you liked Metroid. I Metroid Prime is so good it made me think I liked Metroid. But I really <laughs> just like Metroid Prime. That's fair. How do you feel about Prime 2 and 3? Uh, I never played Prime 3. I heard it was a little more action-focused, which does yeah. not excite me. I got about two-thirds of the way through 2, and I liked it, but not as much as the first one. 2 has weird difficulty spikes in it. Yeah. 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 Like, I like, feel like this, this game the... looks gorgeous. The music yeah. is amazing. There's lo- The scanning, everything is awesome. The environments yep. are cool. It's dripping yep. with atmosphere. It's just a good-ass game. It's a good-ass game. Uh, I feel like Metroid Prime 1 is, like, a masterpiece, and then 2 is, like, a little worse, and then 3 is a little worse than 2. Like, they got lightning in a bottle, and they kind of recaptured it two more times, but it's eh, not not it's not quite there. I feel like the big moment everyone talks about with Metroid Prime is, like, when you're out in that rainy environment early on, and, like, thunder cracks, and you see Samus's reflection in her visor. It's a yeah. pretty cool moment. Yep. But even just, like, the title screen is a yeah. top all-time title screen. Yeah, it, like, just floods you with atmosphere from the moment you turn it on. Yeah. Or, like, when you get the x-ray visor and you change your beam so you can see Samus, like, put her fingers into the position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, something that's sticking out in my memory of it is, like, when you're escaping the spaceship at the beginning. And there's the, you're going down, like, a tube... 
and there's just like a spiral of little lizard things crawling around the tube towards you. Ah, uh, it's a cool game. Yeah, and they all splatter on your visor, and you've got some of your power-ups yeah. at the beginning, too, but then they get right. taken away when you get damaged. Right, right. Anyway, uh, Crystal, how does Metroid Prime compare to game number 307, Poppin' Twin Bee Rainbow Bell Adventures, a platformer based on the Twin Bee shoot-'em-ups? Metroid Prime. All right. Chelsea, how about you? Rainbow Bell Adventure. All right. That's one for each. Uh-oh. Uh, Fabby? Rainbow Bell Adventures. Okay. And uh, Nick? Metroid. That ties it. I'm definitely going Metroid. Uh, oh, one yeah. more thing I forgot to mention. I, again, yeah, I guess this is for the GameCube version of Metroid Prime, but also the Wii controls are extremely mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. The transition to the Wii for that was really well done. And the Wii is like one of the only consoles where I like playing shooters because I like motion controls. Yeah, there are not that many good shooters on the Wii, which is a shame because I think the Wii controller might be the best shooter control scheme that there's ever been. Absolutely. And very 100%. few games capitalize on it. It's like the Metroid Prime re-release and the Resident Evil 4 re-release, and that's about it. Eh, yeah, VR a... games basically use that now. That's true, there, that's true. There's a couple of shooter minigames in Mario Party 7. I guess so. <laughs> you know, anyway, the Metroid best Prime... shooter on the Wii. <sighs> anyway, Metroid Prime is moving up to number 153. Now, how does it compare to Prey 2017? Mario kind of Party a similar 8, game in some I'm ways. I'm so sorry I got my facts wrong. Mario Party 8. <laughs> Great, thank you for that correction. We, we strived for accuracy <laughs> mm-hmm. here on Let's Plays. Anyway, yeah, Nick, how does it compare to Prey 2017? The immersive sim set on a space station where you're trapped alone uh, with aliens that can take the form of any object, and you get cool powers, and you gotta recycle cubes to get materials. It's a You got a glue gun that you can make platforms out of. It's neat. That sounds neat. I think I'm gonna go with Metroid, though. I will say, if you like Metroid Prime, you will probably like Prey 2017. I'd recommend giving it a shot. I mean, half that description sounded just like Metroid, so yeah, it, It's probably. got a very similar vibe to Metroid Prime. <laughs> Fabby, how about you? Prey. All right, Chelsea. Um, Metroid. Okay, Crystal. These are two game of the century contenders for me. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I guess the tiebreaker is that I played Prey on a big HD TV, and I played yeah. Metroid Prime on like a tiny, like nine-inch CRT, and it was still extremely immersive. So I guess I'll yeah. go for Metroid. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Chelsea, what did you vote again? Uh, Metroid. All right, yeah, Metroid's going to take it. I, mm, man, I, I'm glad y'all decided it, because I don't really want to have to pick between those two. <laughs> Metroid Prime moves up to number 76. Uh, Crystal, how does it compare to The Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay, a stealth game based on the Riddick franchise that you called out as one of your favorite games? That's true. It is one of the best games of the generation, but it's not as good <laughs> as Metroid. I'm just saying, you nominated Butcher Bay. You didn't nominate uh, Metroid back when we did your birthday episode. Yeah, I, I forgot about Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea. Uh, Metroid. All right, that's two for Metroid. Uh, Fabby? Bindamin Diesel's uh, Butcher Bay. Okay, and Nick. Gotta be Metroid. All right, Metroid takes it. Keeps on climbing. It's got like a spider ball power-up or something. Uh, it's going to number 38. Nick, how does it compare to Animal Crossing New Leaf? It's Animal Crossing on the Nintendo 3DS. You know, I've never actually played an Animal Crossing, but I've played many Metroids, so it's got to be Metroid. 
All right, Fabby. Animal Crossing. Uh, Crystal. Metroid. That's two for Metroid. Chelsea, I feel like I don't even need to ask. Yeah, you probably don't. <laughs> Animal <laughs> I'm going Crossing. To. All right. That ties it. Uh, boy, you are like 20 feet away from me right now. I'm a little scared for how I'm about to vote. <laughs> but it's I okay. am going to vote for Metroid. If Chelsea makes you unable to keep going, uh, we have three people. We can finish the podcast. You know, you're in the hospital. Chelsea's in jail. We, we, can, we can finish this. Well, that's a comforting thought, and it empowers me to vote for Metroid Prime. Me and Luke are the only people who have access to the list, though. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. You fine. can't the list of that. You, you think I don't know it by memory? <laughs> What's game number 457, Fabby? 457, that's uh, Arnhem, the Market you Garden can... Operation. Uh... I guess you could probably still just look at the list. Oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I guess it. <laughs> but Metroid Command was right, though. If you were right, I would have been pretty freaked out. I would have just assumed you had just looked no. it up because you can look at the list whenever you want at bit.ly slash Let's Play. I was like, did y'all close it? No, I have it open. What is that number, anyways? I'm not telling. No, I'm looking at anyway. Bit.ly slash. You can type. It's Lumberjack Simulator. Now shut up and let me advance this podcast. Chelsea, how does uh, Metroid Prime compare to Puyo Puyo Tetris, the game that combines Puyo and Tetris? Puyo Puyo Tetris. Crystal. Metroid Prime. It's one for each, Fabby. I've been playing Tetris a lot. Like a lot. I always yeah. pack outs coming, and I always end up uh, putting myself in the Puyo Puyo Tetris tournament, despite being terrible at Puyo and decent at Tetris. Uh, so yeah. yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh God, this is gonna turn into a tie, and I don't want to <laughs> have to break this tie, Nick. I mean, these are my two favorite puzzle games put together in one, but that's still not yeah. as cool as Metroid. Uh... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to <laughs> choose. I mm, I gotta go for Puyo Puyo Tetris. I'm sorry. Drat. It, it's very good is the thing about it. Metroid Prime is moving down to number 28. Nick, how does it compare to Halo 2, a game that Fabi apparently thinks is cooler? <sighs> I, I changed my mind, actually. <laughs> oh, thank God. Master, mm, as far as I know, Master Chief is not a lady, so I, that's what made that's me change true. my mind. Master Chief is not a lady. Samus is a lady. Samus is a lady, but she can't crawl. But that's fine. Metroid's better than Halo. Yep. Also, I feel like this is one of the few games that, like, few Metroid games where there's no, like, Samus cheesecake in it. Like, she takes her helmet off and that's it. Yeah. There's no, like, here's Samus in a bikini for beating the I game fast. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but is there any Master Chief cheesecake in the games? Not no. that I know of. They'd be better I think Crystal? Uh, the closest you get is, I guess, watching a 13-year-old Master Chief being prepared for surgery. Yeah, no. I, no. That's not no. cheesecake. Your definition of cheesecake is alarming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on. Like I on. said, that's the closest. Uh, Fabby, Halo 2 or Metroid Prime? Hey, the closest of this uh, 
cheesecake you wanted? Here's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Halo 2 or Metroid Prime? I'm going to go for Metroid Prime. Okay. Yay. All right, that's two for Metroid Prime. Crystal. Metroid Prime. Great. Chelsea, Halo 2 or Metroid Prime? Uh, Halo. Okay. Metroid Prime takes it, moves up to number 23. Chelsea, how does Metroid Prime compare to Tokyo Jungle, the side-scrolling action-adventure where you're a whole mess of different animals in a post-apocalyptic Tokyo just trying to survive? Tokyo Jungle. All right. Crystal. Metroid Prime. That's one for each. Fabby. I don't think I ever got past the dog levels, but I still had a bunch of fun. Uh, Tokyo Jungle. All right. Nick. Metroid. Yeah, that's a tie. Tokyo Jungle's great. It's very cute and fun, and they need to re-release it and also make a sequel. But I'm voting for Metroid. Which moves it up to number 21. Uh, (laughs) Nick, how does it compare to the quest for the Golden Egg Cup? (laughs) A text adventure game where God wants you to find his egg cup for him so he can have breakfast. Hmm. That's almost difficult for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to go with Metroid again. Alright, Fabby. I can't explain why. I can't, like, figure out why, but I've really soured on the quest for the Golden Egg Cup. Something about (laughs) it, since I was in the episode where we placed it, and I've just, I, I don't even know why I like adventure games. I like text games. There's just something that bothers me about it. So I guess Metroid Prime. Great. Crystal. Metroid Prime. Chelsea. Metroid. All right. Metroid Prime takes it and moves up to number 20 for one last comparison. Chelsea, how does it compare to Near Automata? The action RPG where you play a bunch of sad, horny, fascist robots just trying to make sense of this crazy world of ours. Metroid. Chelsea. Or, no, Crystal. Metroid Prime. That's one for each. Fa- or, no, it's two for Metroid, rather. Fabby. And Nier. And Nick. Mm-hmm. Think I'm going to stick with Metroid. All right. Well, in that case, Metroid takes it. And is placed at number 20, directly above Near Automata, directly below Puyo Puyo Tetris. Congratulations to Metroid Prime for just barely cracking the top 20. Let me get it in here, and then we'll see what's, uh, what, what things have gotten shoved out of where. The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, formerly the number one game of all time, is now no longer in the top 50. And, uh, let's see... Kirby's Avalanche uh, is no longer in the top 100. That's a real shame. It is, it is. Yep. We're moving on to our next game of the evening. Favi, tell me about Mighty Jilloff and explain to me why it's the best game of the 2000s. Uh, Before that, I want to give you a couple, not all of them, but just a couple of honorable mentions because this was really hard. 2000s, really good decade for video games. Uh, Yeah. So, the first one is one that I think people might have expected me to do. I already mentioned it. Mario Party 8. The second best Mario Party, the best Mario Party of the, the 2000s. Um, the board design is, like, legitimately, this is not a bit, legitimately amazing and entertaining and fresh. All the boards play differently and the strategies are differently. And I know people say there's no strategy for Mario Party, but if you play enough Mario Party, you know that there's strategy for Mario Party. And the boards just kept it 
like truly fresh and and wonderful to keep playing. That's all I'll say about that. Um, all right. Uh, next honorable mention is a visual novel, which I maybe people expected me to to go for a visual novel. It's Anaheim Girls Love Story. If I could please read you the description. Anaheim Girls Love Story is a visual novel set in the Gundam universe that follows a relationship between two female electrical engineers. And I've said the third one that I have here is another visual novel called Abigail from 2005. This is just like a very simple, short, like, I don't want to say prototypical queer visual novel. But I definitely played a lot of visual novels since that uh, deal in the same thing, the, uh, themes of like uh, queer unrequited love. Uh, so I figured I definitely had it in contention and it should deserve a shout out. So, uh, Mighty Jill, off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read this blurb because I think this is perfect. It's probably different from what you have, but here we go. Mighty Jellof right. is a platformer indie game developed by Anna Entropy, whose protagonist is a submissive lesbian with a fetish for boots named Jill. Pushed off the top of a massive tower by her femme Dom Queen, Jill has to climb her way back up to ultimately lift the boots of her mistress. Okay. So okay. I brought this game for you, Luke, because I know, I know, <laughs> I know, Luke, how much you truly, truly love platformers so i uh -huh. figured that a platformer would you know i'm working the i'm working with the crowd I, how many podcasts have we recorded together i'm trying uh -huh. to 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 play favorites uh, i feel like you're trying to imply some things here no no basically this is like a better mario i would say it's like mario but but queer and and kinky so all right all right uh, uh Oh, to put ahead. this in the con into historical context, mm -hmm. I would say this game is in heavy conversation with "I Wanna Be the Guy," which came out a few months earlier, mm -hmm. which sort of kicked off the modern resurgence of hard-ass platformers, super the platformer genre, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. And this kind of recontextualized that. Oh, the Maso core, but actual masochism, as in BDSM. Yeah, I mean, I do. I. Mean, I, I think that's fun theming. Let me see what Moby Games has to say here. Mighty Jill Off is a vertical side-scroller with a plot revolving around Jill Off and her mistress, the Queen, with Jill trying to earn the right to lick her mistress's boots. In order to do so, the Queen casts her down from the tower they live in, and Jill has to get back to the top to prove herself. The game's plot can be interpreted as a reference to the difficulty of earlier platformers where players had to overcome difficult obstacles just because the master told the player to do so. I feel like they're really <laughs> trying to skirt around the, the much more clear meaning of the game. Like, the, game, the game's title is just masturbate heavily. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Uh, Jill wears a bat-like suit, which she can use to hover in midair, slowing her falls. She she you know, wears she... a gimpish suit. That's, <laughs> it, it's not full on, but it's slather and and yeah, right. Latex, yeah. maybe latex. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She can also jump great heights and stop her jumps. These skills will be put to use during the tower's different levels, where Jill will have to avoid deadly spikes, fires, and skull-headed spiders. 
To progress, Jill needs to master controlled jumping, limiting the height or floating in the air to navigate difficult passages. Jill has infinite lives. In the case of death, she just respawns at the beginning of the level, although there are some checkpoints during the longer levels. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, they said, it, it's I want to be the guy. It's, you know, Meat Boy, the original. You know, it, it's, it's in that kind of grouping. All right, well, let's figure out where it belongs on this list. We are going to start at game number 309. Nick, how does Mighty Jilloff compare to... SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob's Truth or Square, a 3D adventure game starring everyone's favorite sponge. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so far, Mighty Jilloff really reminds me of another game I like called The Quest of Kai, and I like that game, so this game's cool too. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jilloff. All right, Fabby. Uh, it's bit.ly slash the list, because it's giving me... It's bit.ly slash let's place. Let's play. Okay. Uh, Mighty Jilloff. All right. Uh, Crystal. Did we mention that the title is a reference to the 90, 1986 game Mighty Bomb Jack? Hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. It is. No, we didn't mention did, did we also mention the sequels, the Jilloff Harder Edition mm-hmm. and Jilloff with One Hand? Yeah. Great. Okay. Just want to <laughs> remind the listeners. No, Mighty Jill. <laughs> All right. Chelsea. Um, uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> what? I'm hurt? Uh, Mighty Jilloff moves up to number 155. Chelsea, how does it compare to West Front Omega, the Amulet of Vega, the legendary indie text adventure game from Paul Panks? Praise Paul. <laughs> Crystal. Mm, Paul. Wow. That's two for Westfront. Fabby. Ah, bad roll for my Jilloff. Uh, yeah, it really did yeah. hit a hard one here. Uh, already thinking about it for peer review. Um, yeah, my <laughs> Jilloff. All right, Nick. Uh, Jilloff. <sighs> See, here's the thing. On one hand... I'm pretty sure Mighty Jilloff is legitimately the correct choice. It is! is it? It, it is! Chelsea, what's your case against Mighty Jilloff? It looks just like a shitty little platformer. Yeah, like <laughs> Mario! Y'all like Mario? I don't really like Mario. Like, okay. Jilloff is considered to be a good platformer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People like it. And, like, it's definitely from... Why? I mean, that Doesn't because... even look good. Well, I think it... I can give you legit answers. This is a game made by one person, two if you count the music. It's a, like a very, very indie game about queerness made by queer people that like... I guess that's fair. Hey, 2008, there were none of them. And the few that, none that were like platformers. Now we live in a place of, uh, of uh, Celeste. We live in a place of uh, right. uh, The Missing. Like those games, they were the, I'm not going to say they, they don't exist without Mighty Jelloff, but Mighty no, Jelloff but... was like the first one of those of like, hey, I'm going to take some uh, queer and kinky concepts and I'm going to just oppose them in this narrative that we already know, this narrative that we have experienced so many times, but change it. Change it to something different, something more me, something more interesting. 
This game doesn't pretend to be high art. It's a platformer. It's just that the, right. the teaming that is made, it is... I think the teaming is the whole reason... This is the whole reason I chose it. But it's important. We need art to represent every part of our lives and every part of our queer lives. And I think a game like My Jellof truly, truly, like does a service and the world is legitimately a better place for having a piece of art like that in it. Yeah, see, I my argument for voting for Westfront was going to be that it would be funny and uh, that doesn't really hold up in the face of that impassioned uh, defense of Jilloff, so I think I gotta vote for Jilloff. Thank you. Uh, which moves it up to, uh, what's <laughs> Chelsea, you just posted an image that says Jilloff harder. Yeah, that's the sequel slash uh, remake. All right. Uh, Mighty Jilloff is moving up to number 78. Let's see here. Nick, how does it compare to Tekken 7, the 3D fighting game all about punching and kicking? Probably some other stuff, too. I don't really know that much about Tekken 7. It looks <laughs> cool, though. There's like a panda in it. Yeah, Tekken 7's cool as hell, so I'm going to go yeah. with Tekken. Fabby. Mighty Jilloff. Crystal. Mighty Jilloff. Chelsea. Tekken. Think, yeah, Tekken's pretty fucking cool. I think I gotta go with Tekken. <sighs> I'm sorry, I Fabby. I Still got a shot at the top hundo. Uh, Still got a top hundo shot here. Yeah, yeah. My my goal for it, uh, <laughs> uh, my goal for it was, uh, I opened up the list, I wanted it to get to number 26. So it was better than Super Mario Galaxy 2. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite games uh-huh. ever. So <laughs> yeah, but I figure uh, I might be able to like persuade the rest of the group just to annoy you. Uh, it's moving down to number 116. Uh, Chelsea, how does it compare to Grand Blue Fantasy, the gotcha game where you just collect a bunch of wives and husbands from what I've seen on Twitter? <laughs> Grand Blue. Uh, Crystal. Mm, Jilloff. Babby. Another queer game. Uh, uh, that, that's half a joke. Not. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my Jilloff. All right, and Nick. Uh, Grand Blue never really clicked with me, so Jill. Yep. All right, Jill takes it and moves up to number ninety-seven. Uh, Nick, how does Mighty Jilloff compare to Help? My large dog is being affectionate, and I need to record my objective video game ranking podcast. Uh, the video game made by a fan of Let's Place, all about ro- hosting Let's Place while my dog, that I don't live in the same house as anymore, is uh, very aggressive about wanting pets. A legitimately good video game I've spent, like, a couple of hours playing... Uh, that I do like. It's one of my favorite games in this list. It might be one of my favorite. It's definitely my top 50 of all time. I'm... <laughs> Nick? Well, Battle of the Indie Games here. But I would yeah. say that Jilloff is still at least more politically relevant. So I'm going to go with mm-hmm. Jill. All right. Uh, Fabby? Same. Like, I love uh, Help My Large Dog. But uh, it's one of those, like... The game that I love versus the game that I think it's more important, and I think Jill is more important. All right, Crystal. Mm, Jill off. All right, Chelsea. 
I need to record my objective video game ranking podcast. <laughs> uh, Mighty Jelloff wins, so it's locked into the top 100, Fabby. Listen, I'll take what I can get. Just like, Joe, <laughs> hey! Uh, Chelsea, how does Mighty Jelloff compare to Burger Time, an arcade game all about uh, dodging rotten food while you make a big old hamburger? Burger Time. Crystal. Jelloff. It's one for each, Fabby. Chill off. All right, and Nick. Mm, I'm gonna go burger time. Ooh, that ties it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go chill off. I don't I don't have that much affection for burger time. Which moves mighty chill off up to number eighty-two. Nick, how does it compare to Rocket League, a soccer car game all about you know driving around a big old stadium to hit a ball into a goal? Mm, Rocket League's pretty cool, but I'm gonna say chill off. All right, Fabby. Chill off. Crystal. I love that I'm just saying masturbate over and over. This is a great <laughs> idea. I'm so smart and funny and cute. Anyways. Jill Crystal. Off. All right, and Chelsea. Rocket League. Yeah, I also vote Rocket League, but Jill off takes it and moves up to number 80. Yeah, she does. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea, how does Mighty Jill off compare to Lifeline? An adventure game uh, that takes place in real time on your phone as a stranded teenager on an alien world contacts you for advice on how to survive their hostile conditions. Is this a strand game? No, because it's it's not online at all. Oh, uh, Lifeline. All right, Crystal. Mm, chill off. Fabby. I liked Lifeline better when I was called Mystic Messenger. Uh, chill off. Damn. Nick. I think I will also go Jilloff. Dang, all right. I was going to go Lifeline, but Jilloff takes it and moves up to number 79. Nick, how does it compare to Hotel Dusk Room 215, I, an adventure game for the Nintendo DS all about a uh, down-on-his-luck detective who's ended up washing up on the shores of a seedy hotel in the middle of the desert? I think I will go with Hotel Dusk. All right, Fabby. I'm going to go with Jilloff. It's one for each. Crystal. Jill off. Alright, and uh, Chelsea. Uh, Hotel Dusk. Yeah, I'm going Hotel Dusk too. I figured. Which means that Mighty Jill off is placed at number 80, directly above Lifeline, directly below Hotel Dusk. Uh, congratulations, yeah. you cracked the top 100, like yeah, I said. It's like 60 spots off of my goal, but <laughs> you know what? I gave, I gave it the, the, the best I could. Uh, so, thank you, Jill. Godspeed. No. Romania number 203, no longer a top 100 game. That's that's a true tragedy, in my <laughs> opinion. Our next game, Chelsea. Yeah. Talk to me about Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door and why it's the best game of the 2000s. Uh, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door is, you know, a Mario game on the GameCube, but mm -hmm. instead of a platformer, it's an RPG. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it a sequel to the Paper Mario that was on the N64, but it is a lot like it, and in my opinion, Thousand Year Door took the idea and made it even better. Mm -hmm. Basically, Mario gets a letter from Princess Peach asking him to come meet her to find a treasure and sends him the map 
she found. Uh, he gets there and to find that she's been kidnapped. Mario runs around making friends and dad to his questing party, going to different places on his map and collecting crystal stars that are said to open the thousand year door behind which is an incredible treasure. Also, the whole thing is a really cute paper aesthetic and Mario will get papery abilities like folding into a paper plane, a boat, or turning sideways so he's paper thin. And the writing is funny and I enjoy turn-based combat and I like how each area, like, like uh, in a lot of games, like, I don't know, like a Zelda. You go to a dungeon, you fight monsters and collect one of the eight MacGuffins you need to collect, rinse and repeat until you got them all. But I just like how every area has something different going on. Like, the first star, you go to a castle and fight a dragon. Second chapter, you go to a tree and help a bunch of puny creatures rise up against the bad guys who are looking for the star there. Chapter 3, the star is on the champion belt of a wrestling league and you gotta fight your way up to the ranks. Hell yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird and fun and I love it. Alright, yeah. No, Paper Mario 1000 Your Door. Good ass game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you kind of covered everything Moby Games has to say about it here. <laughs> Princess Peach finds a map and mails the map in a letter stating that Mario must come. So Mario comes to a place called Rogueport where Peach was last seen. There he meets a female Goomba named Goombella. Mario shows the map to Goombella. Goombella then takes Mario to our archaeology professor. Archaeology professor. Uh, The professor decides to take Mario to the Thousand Year Door. When Mario stands in front of the door, the map begins to show the locations of stars which open the door. The adventure begins from this point. Mario can jump, run, hammer, talk to people, etc. Mario finds many partners on his quest. Battles play out on a stage in front of an audience. In battle, Mario must keep his fans happy by executing action commands, hitting buttons on the right time during his attacks. Occasionally in battle, the crowd will throw things at Mario. The player can attack the crowd at this time. Oh yeah, that's also a great, great element. There's a your fights have an audience. Yeah, yeah, like it cuts to like a stage play, and yeah, the you have to like keep the audience on your side while you're doing shit. It's, yeah, it's... you have to like appeal to them sometimes and to get powers. Oh yeah, I love really Undertale. Good. Well, yeah, this this is like over a decade before Undertale. Yeah. Yeah, this game has such a cool art style. I like how all the big bosses are like made of origami instead of just being like flat paper cutouts. Yeah, like, like, the, like, like the dragon yeah. I mentioned is like big uh, cardboard. Yeah, like you said, I, I love how every like act of the game has its own gimmick to it. I like train mysteries. This has got a train mystery. Yeah. Yeah. This game rules. It's got those Bowser sections that are like platformers. <laughs> where you just keep eating meat and getting bigger. E. It does have that bit where, like, that alien robot computer spies on Peach in the bathtub, which, that's weird. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. This game has a Princess Peach shower sh- scene. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... And you, you are know. giving me shit for my... Pe- mm. <laughs> it's also got goth. It's also got goth Princess Peach. Yeah, she gets corrupted and Spoilers. becomes evil. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm uh, glad we yeah. went for a couple of uh, kink positive games to see this uh, <laughs> recording. If there's one thing I can say about Nintendo, it's that they're kink positive. The Mario RPGs are kind of like what I wish the Mother games were. Uh-huh. Ooh, hot takes. Because the... They're always mixing up the gameplay, whereas I feel like oh, in I Earthbound, yeah, yeah. I'm still doing just a lot of boring battles. Yeah, I mean, the Mother games are supposed to just be, like, a parody of, like, uh, Dragon Quest, and they play, like, Dragon Quest. But yeah, no, you're right. Mother games would be better if they were more like Paper Mario. I can agree with that. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. This game is very good. It's it's adorable. It's super fun. The combat's good. The Luigi side plot is amazing. God bless <laughs> Luigi. He's trying his best. Some might say it's the best RPG ever made. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, we'll see, I guess. Let's find out where it goes on this list. Let's see. Chelsea, how does Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door compare to number 308, Mountains of Cat, a text adventure where you're like a prisoner who has a bomb implanted in their brain to go on a quest for the kingdom to do a thing? I don't remember the plot of this game. Paper Mario. Crystal. Paper Mario. Babby. Uh, it was Kingdoms of Cat versus Paper Mario, correct? Uh, Mountains of Cat. Mountains of Cat. I'll give it to the Mario, which is made of paper. All right. Nick. Paper Mario. All right. That moves Paper Mario up to number 154. Nick, how does Paper Mario compare to Titanfall, a multiplayer first-person shooter all about doing parkour so good that they give you a giant robot to pilot and it kicks ass? Hmm. God, Titanfall is way too low on this list. (laughs) Yeah. And it may wind up being even lower, because I'm going Paper Mario. Ah, oh, damn. Babby. This Titanfall 1, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Titanfall 1. The good one. <laughs> I'm going to go for Paper Mario here. All right. Crystal. I'm going to say Titanfall. Okay. Chelsea? Paper Mario. All right. Paper Mario takes it and moves up to number 76. Chelsea, how does it compare to Persona 5? Another Japanese RPG where you're a bunch of moody teens who've been outcast by society and have decided to use your cool soul powers in order to steal the hearts of the wicked and make society a better place. Your slave. Want emancipation? <laughs> Paper Mario. Crystal. I hate that in the English version of the teaser trailer, they changed it to You Are a Slave. That sucks. It's so much better when just you are slave. My vote is for Paper Mario. All right. Fabby. Paper Mario. Nick. I will also go Paper Mario. I'm trying to remember, because Persona 5, obviously, we've, we've discussed it at length. It has moments of homophobia in it. A lot of Nintendo games also have moments yeah. of homophobia, but I think maybe Paper Mario does Paper doesn't. Mario has, um, obviously, the trans character, Vivian, but... Yeah, in... yeah I was about to oh, say that. Oh, that's right! But yeah. in is dub, that in this or... one or in the original? Yeah. This is this one, yeah. But, Vivian's it, in but in the English Door. translation, they took that out. But in the J- yeah. but in the Japanese version, at the end of it, Gumbella realizes that she's a turf piece of shit, and she changes her ways. Wait, oh, oh, I see. So she stops being yes. a turf at the end? Oh, well, that's, that's good. Yeah, God, that whole Vivian chapter is with Dupless is so good. Mm-hmm. God, this is a good game. I need to replay this game. Because, <laughs> like, Dupless steals your name and identity, and no one recognizes you for who you are, and then that's happening at the same time that Vivian gets introduced, huh. and she's being bullied by her, like, yeah. sisters or whoever they are. Yeah. Oh, man, good game. Uh, anyway, Paper Mario moves up to number 38. Nick, how does it compare to Thief the Dark Project, a.k.a. Thief Gold, an immersive sim stealth extravaganza where you gotta sneak around dungeons and whatnot in order to steal things, presumably? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go Paper Mario. All right, Fabby. Uh, the Thief expert here is Crystal, right? Crystal, any uh, queer characters in Thief? Um, 
not that I can. Did we actually do the Persona vote? Yeah, Paper Mario. I thought won. we did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not that I'm aware of in Thief, but okay. I might be misremembering. Paper Mario. All right, uh, Crystal. Paper Mario. All right, Chelsea. You'd like both these games a lot. Yeah, but I definitely like Paper Mario better. All right, Paper Mario wins, and moves up <laughs> to number twenty. Uh, the slot that uh, Fabi wanted to get to, if I remember right. Yes. Okay. Right okay. below uh, uh, um, Galaxy Two. Chelsea. How does Paper Mario compare to Metroid Prime, Nick's oh, favorite God. game of the 2000s? Paper Mario. All right, Crystal. Uh, Metroid Prime. Okay, it's one for each. Fabby. I want to uh, clarify that I just think Paper Mario has gotten, like, easy easy towards me. It hasn't gotten, like, the hard, this is a queer visual novel matchups or this is a Mario Party. Uh, but I right. have to go with, with Paper Mario. I, Fabi, I will grant you that I think Paper Mario's had an easier trip up the list than your game yeah. did. I had to go. I had to fight with Paul. I had to pull an Austin Walker to convince you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like this perfect objective system I've invented is actually <laughs> deeply flawed. It's okay. I'm also deeply flawed, so I get it. Uh, uh, all right, that's two for Paper Mario. Metroid. Nick. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, of course that's your vote, but now I have to pick between them. Uh, I'm trying to, because the, mm, they're both so good. I'm trying to think of, like, the worst parts of both and comparing which one's least bad. With Metroid, it's like the backtracking for the keys. That sucks. With Paper Mario, the worst part is probably with the little tree guys, because they are, like, you have to, like, herd them around and they can get, like, stuck in corners or fall off ledges easily and it's annoying but also it's not that i'm going with paper mario that part's not that bad and metroid prime does have parts that annoy me yeah the mario RPGs are pretty tight yeah yeah uh so mario takes it and moves up to number 10 nick how does <laughs> paper mario Finally. thousand year door compare with another jrpg tales of symphonia dawn of a <laughs> new world the Wii sequel, or weekquel, if you will, <laughs> Tales of Symphonia. Man, Tales of Symphonia 2 is so fucking good. It's like a top 10 game. <laughs> no. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> Paper Mario. God, the beef. Dylan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Dylan doesn't deserve how much I this know. game is still done. <laughs> Dylan didn't do anything wrong. Fabi, how do you vote? I'm I'm sorry, Dylan Paper Mario. Crystal. I feel like we're due for an episode where we just like identify ten games that really need peer review and just do it. <laughs> That's what peer review is for, and we will get there in another like fifty up another like twenty five episodes or so. Okay. Is it another twenty five episodes? Works. I mean we did about twenty five episodes in twenty nineteen, so yeah, and if it's every fifty. Okay. Uh, yeah. Paper Mario. <laughs> All right. Chelsea. Paper Mario. All right. Paper Mario takes it, in which case it is officially a top 10 game of all time. And Tales of Symphonia is officially out of the top 10. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, how does Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door compare to number five, Pac Man 2 The New Adventures? 
Man, uh, I forgot and... what happened last episode. I'm looking at the top three. <laughs> An avant-garde masterpiece that repurposes the arcade classic Pac-Man into deep narrative of, that explores the nature of player agency and uh, our interaction with art and what even is, you know, play anyway. Also, it's got a witch that makes a monster out of bubble gum. Paper Mario. <laughs> All right. Uh, Crystal? Paper Mario. That's two for Paper Mario. Fabby? Uh, dear listener, I want you to picture me in front of you with my hands uh, stretched open and in one hand, I have uh, uh, Vivian, the trans character for Paper Mario, the only reason I'm in, even caring about this game. In the other hand, I want you to imagine uh, Pac-Man get inflated. And then I, <laughs> I raise one hand, and then I raise the other, and I raise one hand. I'm going to go for Vivian for Paper Mario. We're going back to Pac South soon. Mm -hmm. They were really horny for Pac-Man 2. I don't want to make them mad. <laughs> I'm going to go Pac-Man. Hell yeah. I'm also protest voting for Pac-Man. There are children Mario in that audience. It. Maybe we don't want to say that. Well, the not everyone who wasn't children was horny for Pac-Man. Okay. Isn't, the, isn't the, the podcast explicit? Isn't the panel explicit? There shouldn't have been children there. Yeah, but like... Well, but also you can only mark it as 13 ah. plus, and like thir a 13-year-old still not cool to joke about them being horny. Yes! As we discussed we with Halo 2 earlier this episode. Uh, anyway, uh, Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door moves up to number two. Nick, how does it compare to StarCraft, the undeniable juggernaut of the real-time strategy genre that redefined what competitive video games looked like. StarCraft's pretty cool, but Paper Mario's yeah. cooler. Yeah, Fabby? Yeah. This is like the easiest, easiest climb to the top. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Uh, is this the one where, where uh, Kerrigan, is that her name, turns into a Zerg? Yeah. I, uh, no, I think that might be okay, two. Okay, so I guess I, I, I'm not... I don't know anything I'm about I'm not forced to vote for this in respect of uh, noted uh, Kerrigan Serg lover um, Cassidy, my co-host from Let's Steal a Podcast. So I guess I'm going Paper Mario, I guess. All right. All right. That's two for Paper Mario. Crystal. Fabi? In my preparation to court your vote, I have opened the Wikipedia page for list of video games with LGBT characters, and this Thank is a you. truly absurd list. The way oh, yeah. Oh, no. I can give you a better list. I have access to a better list. I, I want to hear the bad list, though. What do you got? It, what, it's good bad. I've read it. It's, it's it, bad. It's bad. It's just like the way the information is mm -hmm. laid out. Like Mass Effect 2012. Mass Effect 3, Kaiden Elenko, bisexual. <laughs> if you get the the entries for the Shin Megami Tensei ones, is I it's, I don't want it's bad. It's like it's like non named character, lesbian or gay man representation. Great. No, fuck that. 
And I love... Anyway, yeah, crystals. I hate that list. That's the Wikipedia list. I have a grudge against that list because I love, like, queer indie games are not on that list. Um, My vote is for so, Mario. Ah. Okay. That's... It's a bad yeah. list. Uh, Ch- Chelsea, how about you? I l- I'm on the StarCraft, like, screenshots, and I like that the phone number for Blizzard was 1-800-953-SNOW. Uh, oh, because Blizzard, I get it. Um, Paper Mario. All right. Paper Mario takes it and moves up, which means cue the, the, the music because it is time for a championship oh, bout. Chelsea. No, how does no Paper don't Mario do me first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. Nick, how does Paper Mario compare to the number one game of all time, to our knowledge, Undertale, the indie RPG, which, as we've said, uh, borrowed a lot of concepts from Paper Mario in order to create a heartwarming narrative about empathy and emotional presence and connecting with other people. Uh, I am going to go with Undertale. That's one for Undertale. Fabby. I was actually just today listening to... uh... To a video watching a YouTube video about the the music in Undertale and how it there are songs that are like this is the the eight bit song this is the sixteen bit song and how it purposely keeps all elect uh, it's like an all electronic samples even when it moves away from this except for one part and how the the one part that has a guitar. It has like purpose, yeah. human error. And hopes and dreams. Yeah, if if you pay attention to to that to that song, it has like purposely human error. It has the picks. It has you can feel the humanity of that, and it's just like God. I hate truly, that I'm like getting truly... chills just from you describing a fact yeah, about the no, soundtrack. it's it's an amazing game, and a lot of people have soured on it. But it's details like that that keep me yeah. going, like. Yeah, no, it's my second favorite game of all time. All right, all right. So I assume that's a vote for Undertale. That is a vote for Undertale. Yeah, I think my thing at this point, I love Undertale. I loved it when I played it, and it's it's a fantastic game. I think I'm just sick of talking about Undertale. Like, yeah, we we talked about it a lot in 2015, and I feel like we can move on with our lives. Crystal, how do you vote? Paper Mario. Oh, oh damn. damn. The sharks have been cu- have been swimming around Undertale for some time now. They have been. They have been. Chelsea, where are the votes at? Uh, it's two for Undertale, one for Paper Mario. You could tie it up. <sighs> what what what's what's your thoughts, Luke? <laughs> oh boy, I, I I don't know. Yeah, uh, my thinking is that in terms of visual art direction. Paper Mario very clearly takes it. I think Paper Mario is not really shooting for something particularly deep. It's just trying to be a fun fantasy story. And there is some stuff around the edges of it, like Vivian, that is a little more... um, uh, has more depth to it than you would expect from a Mario game. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's a fun, shallow story. And I'm not even using shallow as a pejorative. That's what it's going for. It's just meant to be lighthearted and whimsical and fun. And it is. Undertale, I think, is a lot less impressive visually, but much more impressive musically. I can't think of a single song from Thousand Year Door. I'm racking my brain. Um, I think that it 
is not as dynamic in terms of gameplay, but it's extremely dynamic relative to the size of the team that worked on it. Uh, I think its story has a lot more depth to it than Paper Mario. I think it's really something special. I think it took a lot of ideas Paper Mario came up with and uh, developed them and honed them into something sharper. So I guess really it comes down to whether you value the like invention of certain ideas or the perfection of them more. And I'm going to withhold my opinion on which way I vote because I want to make you vote. <laughs> well, my thoughts... Something I was kind of thinking while I was... Full of... In fact, you know what? Uh, I'm putting my opinions aside. I'm voting for Paper Mario to tie it up and make you be the final decider here. <laughs> my thoughts while everyone else was voting was kind of, well, I, I think Undertale's story is better, but I almost wonder if I think Paper Mario's gameplay overall is better. But yeah. Undertale has such a cool, like, mechanic for the fights and like man like every yeah every every enemy of like enemy a little, is yeah. different yeah. every enemy is different every enemy is like handled a little bit differently and it's just really interesting and cool and like yeah the writing is a lot deeper and a lot more interesting than paper mario because like right uh, without really sacrificing the humor that paper mario does so well like, Undertale kind of does everything Paper Mario does and more in terms of writing. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely no doubt that uh, Undertale wins on um, writing. It's it's really it's really hard. I know. <laughs> I might be getting a headache. <laughs> we could also, we could always leave it up to our nation's first president. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't trust George on this one. <laughs> He's, he hasn't played a video game. What does he know? Exactly. He's the most unbiased. I guess that's true, but... Um... I resent the slander that uh, George Washington wasn't a gamer. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Take your time. We can cut out the dead air later. Or just, you can drop in some Jeopardy music if you want. Uh, who, who knows? <laughs> I, I am, I just want to know, I am legitimately, like, anxious about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a nail-biter. Yeah. I should have figured that this would this might have happened. I should have prepared. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Just, just, just keep talking us through what you're thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Like, Undertale is obviously also, like, I mean... Paper Mario is like a Nintendo game. It had a huge team behind it. Right. Uh, supposedly. I mean, I can only imagine. Undertale is like a super small, only one, two, maybe three people on that credit sequence. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's really hard. <laughs> Undertale is so much more heartfelt. Yeah. Paper Mario is a lot more. I don't like. I don't want to say it has more tricks. It has more going on because like Undertale still has a lot going on. I did, like Definitely. besides the like kind of fairly unique 
like fighting mechanic and battle mechanic like all the different enemies like we said and just <laughs> why do you people do this to me it's no it's luke it's not you people this is luke okay. luke has That's an opinion luke. Luke, luke, why did you do this to me fuck that opinion i'm gonna make my girlfriend suffer because these are two of your favorite games, and I figured, you know, I, I would trust your opinion on how they should be ranked. I'm mad at Luke, just for the record. Chelsea, close your eyes, take a breath, and just blurt out the first one. That, that you know comes what? Your... Fuck it. I, it can be peer-reviewed later if I change my mind. I want Paper Mario to have the uh, bold text forever. Paper Woo! Mario. It's happened. Damn. Undertale has been dethroned. Just you know, it reclaimed its number one spot at the beginning of last year, and now at the beginning of this year, it's lost it again. <laughs> Almost exactly a one-year-long reign for Undertale. Uh, I'm glad Chelsea was the one to take it down. <laughs> hey, how are we supposed uh, to right. do like two more, two more games after this? <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, that's true. Like I'm legitimately, I'm wiped. <laughs> <laughs> they're too bad and they're two like masterpieces too uh with that paper mario the thousand year door is placed at number one directly above undertale directly below fucking Woo. nothing because paper mario the thousand year door is the best game of all time to our knowledge uh, but maybe that'll change who knows <laughs> Crystal, talk to me about Pathologic and why it's the best game of the 2000s. Why don't you tell me about Pathologic 2? All right, sure. So I didn't really know anything about the original Pathologic. I'd heard the name, but that's about it. I think I thought it was a game like Pandemic or Plague Inc. or something, uh, but it's not. It's this weird, it's not an immersive sim, but it's like a first-person adventure game where you're trying to cure a plague. Pathologic 2 is basically a remake of it. Uh, it's got much prettier graphics. Pathologic looks bad, even by the standards of the time it came out. It looks like a game that would have run on like a late 90s computer. It's punishingly difficult. It's weird. Uh, but there's, there's something to it. It's got very strong writing that comes through, even through kind of its initial shoddy localization. It's this very complex narrative about the nature of like human beings and our relationships with each other and our relationship to death. Pathologic 2 is a little different in that it's only got one character in it, at least for now. The original Pathologic has three playable characters. But, uh, yeah, it's... I, I wrote a Game of the Year list thing last week and I, I mentioned I feel like Pathologic 2 has a lot of the same themes as Death Stranding, weirdly. Except it's good at executing on them. It's all about, like, our connections with other people and, like, living through uh, an apocalyptic event. And, like, the human body and how weird it is to inhabit the human body and all of its, its like, fragility, but also its strength. And what it means to, like, inhabit a player character in a video game. Pathologic has this, like, theater motif that it goes with where... There's a uh, theater in town, and a director lives there, and he talks to you as if you are not the character uh, that you're playing as, but rather you're an actor portraying that character. Uh, and it's all about, like, what does it mean to get into character and to inhabit the world you're in? 
even when that world sucks. It's... I, I can't speak directly to Pathologic, because I haven't played it, but Pathologic 2 is this very dense, complicated game that has all kinds of very surreal imagery in it, and uh, it seems like around every corner there is just a whole nother complicated idea for you to wrestle with. Uh, and all of that is happening like in contrast with you just trying to maintain your body. You have to keep yourself well fed, well rested, uh, you know, healthy, not sick. Uh, which is very hard to do when the plague that is stricken your town is like sentient and actively wants to, if not kill you, humble you by taking away everything you love. It's just, it's a game that I feel like I could talk about for six hours straight and not like get tired of talking about it. It's incredibly dense. Uh, I talked about it for two hours, and I felt like I could keep going, no problem. <laughs> I felt like I rushed through it to keep it to two hours. It's it's just a crowning achievement in video gamery. Pathologic 1 looks like it really, from what I've seen of it, it kind of hit on a lot of what made Pathologic 2 great in the first place, but it's much rougher. It's a little uh, unrefined. And, you know, it it's a game that critics have talked about very highly for a decade, so I, I do think it has a lot in there uh, that I like about Pathologic 2. Uh, but it's just a little... It, it's like Pathologic 2 is already janky, and Pathologic 1 is jankier. It's more obtuse. There are enemies that will just throw knives at you from, like, 50 feet away and kill you in one hit. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a mess, but that's also kind of the point. Luke, uh, how would you say, yeah. how, how good are you at parsing what characters are saying in Pathologic 2? Uh, how do you mean? Like, can you understand the dialogue? I would say so. Okay, well, that's different in the first one. <laughs> okay. Because the translation is so shitty that, like, <laughs> Which translation? it feels like you're a foreign doctor coming into this town and you barely know the language. Yeah. And to be you, fair, like... there's, like, three translations? <laughs> Yeah, they, they re-released the game to, like, make it run better on modern computers and stuff, and they redid the translation then, I and I think yeah. it's... Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. And I, my understanding is that one is a little more coherent, mm -hmm. but yeah, I've heard that original translation is pretty uh, tough to understand if, if, you know, you're an English speaker. If anyone is interested but it had, in Pathologic... It adds something. Yeah. If yeah, anyone's I can in, see that. interested in Pathologic, for my money, I would recommend you seek out... H Bomber guys, regardless of the feelings on the person, H Bomber guys uh, video on it. It's like a hour, two hour video on Pathologic, and it goes into detail yeah. and and like plot details. So it, it will spoil Pathologic one for you, but yeah, it also makes me feel... and it will like partially spoil Pathologic two for you yeah. too. They change some of the plot beats, but he's, but, he's played like, both, yeah. so I feel like it. And he at the end says, go play Pathologic 2. It's different. So yeah. I, I feel comfortable. There is a really big plot reveal near the end of the first Pathologic that mm -hmm. is not in the current version of Pathologic Interesting. 2. Uh, they're planning to like expand that yeah. game more if they can get funding for it to if add like more campaigns to it. If it's the it. thing that I'm thinking of. It's, it's yeah. the thing with the changeling. Yeah. That, which you can't play yeah. as the changeling. That's why. That, it, that yeah, makes it, sense that that's and, not in there. Yeah. There are things that in the original game require you to, like, finish all routes. Uh, 
and you can't do that in the new one because there aren't all rats. There's a rat. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry, Crystal, go on. Yeah, one of my one of my main criticisms of Death Stranding, strictly from a gameplay perspective, uh, is that I wish it was harder and more tedious. I feel right. like even on hard, <laughs> even doing the premium deliveries, I'm not really being pushed that much. Yeah. <laughs> so I, well, I want to play Pathologic, Pathologic 2 because it's that. on Game Pass. But I also yeah. kind of want to play Pathologic Original with the original translation where people had to like go into google translate and bring it back into russian and then back into english to see if they could understand it better (laughs) only you only you i said i i can't say enough good things about pathologic 2 i can't really speak to pathologic 1 other than obviously a lot of the bones of what i love about 2 are in there well, that's a lot of words. I guess let's uh, figure out where it belongs on this list. We're going to start at number 308. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing. Let's go. All right. How does Pathologic compare to Demolish Fist? 2.5D brawler where you fight like demon babies and throw couches at bad guys and stuff. God, that's the best game title I've ever heard. It's a good title. Yeah. Oh. I think I'm going to have to go for Demolish Fist. Damn, right out the gate. All right, right, right out. I think there are a couple games that I'm going to go over. A couple games I'm going to go. And it's, I might change my mind, but I'm pretty comfortable pushing Pathologic as far as it will go. Um, All right. Yeah. I'll save my big Fabby speech at the end if I need to because I have it. But, yeah, Pathologic. All right. All right. Yeah. Crystal, how about you? Pathologic. That's uh, three for Pathologic. Chelsea, I made you play the opening of Pathologic 2. What'd you think? Um, I wasn't that into it. <laughs> for the record, if you hear uh, uh, noise in the background, I'm stress-eating gummies because the last <laughs> decision was Cuba. So I'm sorry. I need this. I'm stress-eating yeah, gummy worms. <laughs> All right, so you voting Demolish Fist, Chelsea? No, I'm voting Pathologic. All right, nice. Uh, that movie was Pathologic Up, number 154. Chelsea, how does it compare to Costume Quest, another one of your favorite games? An RPG all about kids going out on Halloween and just having an adventure. Costume Quest. Crystal. Path of I feel like these games could not be more different. Well, they have some similarities. I guess it's just like Pathologic is so dour and so like cerebral and path- Costume Quest is just like... No, just have a fun time and, like, remember how magical Halloween is for kids. Anyway, go on, Crystal. You know, Icepick Studio made a game that, I don't know if this is true, it probably isn't, but they claim they just received a design document from an anonymous letter and just made the game line out in that document. That kicks ass. Like, regardless of whether that's true, that's awesome. It was for Path of Logic. All right, that's one for each. Fabby. Uh, I... It's January, which means last month was December, which means I did my yearly listen to all of Giant Bomb's Game of the Year podcast. And I was oh like in the um, in one of the first ones, either 2008, 2009, 2009 whenever this game came out, they talk about, yeah. uh, they mentioned it. And I was like, oh, it's a costume quest. And they say, oh, yeah, it's good. Okay, it doesn't hang. And they take it off. But I was like, oh, that's nice. They they, they mentioned costume quest. I'm going for Pathologic. All right, great. 
Uh, that's two for Pad Logic, one for Costume Quest. Nick? Uh, one of these games is fake spooky, and one of these games is real spooky. And I will usually prefer real spooky, so Pathologic. It's not right. fake spooky, it's fun it. spooky. That's, that's <laughs> fake spooky. Fun is a nice way of saying fake. <laughs> wow. Out of context, that's a real depressing statement. <laughs> hey, feel, uh, feel free to uh, edit this, Chelsea. I'm thinking of getting fun boobs. What? Fun equals fake. Oh, I see. I see. Anyway, Nick, uh, how does Pathologic compare to number 76, Pokemon Sapphire version? Uh, the Pokemon game, what's got a whale on the cover? Mm, I like that whale. It's a good whale, but I'm mm. going to go with Pathologic. It's not even the best whale in that game. Yeah, but it's got the red on it. That's neat. Fabby. Pathologic. Pathologic. All right. Uh, Crystal. Pathologic. Chelsea. Pokemon. All right. Uh, Pathologic moves up the list to number 38. Chelsea, how does it compare to Professor Layton in the Curious Village? Point-and-click adventure puzzle game all about a smart dude what does puzzles good. Professor Layton. Crystal. Uh, you know what? Kind of the same thing in both games. In both times, it's a, a learned man comes to a mysterious village and tries to unravel a mystery at the core. My favorite of part of Professor Lane is when he has to kill the bull. God, now I just want fan art that like is just redoes Professor Layton bits in the style of Pathologic. I want the opposite. I want Pathologic bits in the style of Professor Layton. Also that, yes. Just give me Professor Layton versus, like, Horaspec's Artemy Burak. My votes are pathologic. <laughs> All right, that's one for each. Fabby. Pathologic. That's two for pathologic. Nick. Uh, Professor Layton's probably easier to understand on its initial release, so Layton. Hmm. That ties it. Like I said, I don't have a lot of personal investment in the original Pathologic because I had basically never heard of it. Do do I need to do my speech or should I save it? Are you on the fence? Uh, you can save it for now because, again, Pathologic 2 is currently my favorite game of all time. And Pathologic is kind of coasting on a lot of that goodwill right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Pathologic. I don't know if it's going to get much higher, but I think it deserves to get higher still. Uh, which pushes it to 19. Nick, how does it compare to Resident Evil 4? A third-person spook-em-up adventure that reinvented the Resident Evil franchise kind of for the worse, even though this game rules. <laughs> mm, it's another village with sickness. Yeah, cults. that's true. Mm. No one explodes into worms in Pathologic. <laughs> mm, I think I'm going to go with Resident Evil. All right, Fabby. Pathologic. One for each. Crystal. It's weird because RE2 Remake does still feel iterative of RE4. It's just RE5 yeah. took the wrong lessons. Yeah, and then RE6 doubled down. <laughs> uh, my vote is for Pathologic. Alright, that's two for Pathologic. Chelsea. Was it an evil four? That ties it. Oh, God. Alright, Fabi, I need your impassioned speech here. So... <laughs> Games are a lot of things. Uh, games are stories. Games yeah. are, are narrative. Games are play. They're music. They're, they're what you do and what you find. And while I've seen about Pathologic, and I went down a Pathological 
uh, I wanted to buy Pathologic 2. I messaged you. I was like, hey, why can't I buy Pathologic 2 on PlayStation? It says it's out. It's not. This is part of the game. Um, but I, 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 could, I, I couldn't buy it, at least at the time. I don't know if it's come out since. Um, uh, no, the, uh, basically, Pathologic 2 bombed super fucking hard. Yeah. So I yeah. would not uh, expect I, a console version of it to come out. So, so Pathologic... I, I went to a deep dive, I watched a bunch of Let's Plays and different things, because I became fascinated with this game and with the idea that a game can tell a, just like the wildest bonkers story and still have this core of human struggle and pain and sacrifice and being an uh, an outsider and being in 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 a game that so we joke a lot about uh, um, I I make this you play this we are enemies and game game again right. game about games that actively punish and hate the player I don't believe Pathologic yeah. actively hates the player uh, no it doesn't Pathologic wants you to suffer because it believes that part of the human core is not suffering but surviving the suffering and persevering through it and i think it embodies it not just in the narrative but in in the gameplay and this is nothing you haven't said before but the original does this as well the first encounter of the game you are supposed... I don't know if this happens in Pathologic 2, but the first encounter of the game, you're not supposed to fight. You're there. You're giving a fetch quest. You go, to the fe- you go to do the fetch quest, and you can either be like, fuck this fetch quest, or you can fight them. If you fight, right. you will die. You will lose. There is no way. Like 99% yeah. positive. Yeah, it, yeah. You, yeah, that's not in 2 because you don't play as uh, yeah. The Bachelor in 2. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that's from The Bachelor, yes, correct. Um, you, and the game is like, no, th- we, this is not that game. This is not the Fetch Quest game. This is a game where you can, where people lie to you and manipulate you, and you can lie and manipulate people. This is a game where... There are several different endings, and each ending, except for one, uh, there will always be something destroyed and someone unhappy. And I, right. I, I like legitimately do not want to spoil the everyone gets what they want ending because I think you should watch it. Uh, I don't think you should play it. And that's the other case I, I want to make here. I don't think Pathologic is a game you should play. I legitimately do not think so. <laughs> and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to have games that you don't play. I think it's okay to have games yeah. that you watch. It's okay to have games that you read about, that you hear about. It's okay to not play games. It, mm-hmm. But that doesn't take away their importance. That doesn't take away their value. Um, and it, Yeah, I it, think, it's such a tough thing because yeah. the, like yeah. RE4 is is such a stellar game for all the diff- for completely different mm-hmm. reasons than Pathologic. Like its story is uh like an inch deep and ultra cheesy, but that's what's fun about it. The gameplay is like legitimately fun to engage with. It's spooky and it's not 
fun spooky like costume quest, but it is fun spooky like a slasher movie. Like it's exciting. It's it's gross, but you're supposed to be like It's you a know, power fantasy. You're not supposed to It's power fantasy and it's it's you're yeah, you're fighting against yeah. this stuff and you're you're it, it's fun to like try to manage a crowd of zombies uh it, and the, to like systems... climb up on a giant's back. You can make the argument that the systems, the same argument I make for Pathologic, but different for Resident Evil 4, the systems are there for the ethos of the game, except the ethos of the game is not about the human condition of suffering. The ethos of the game is about you being a badass killing zombies. Yeah. And the systems right. are there yeah, for yeah, yeah. it. And yeah, there are some weird uh, subtext to Resident Evil 4. It, there know, are weird of things just, like, with... Yeah, I'm just here, this characters. American gunslinger wandering into, like, a rural town in a foreign country yeah. and killing all the townsfolk. And, like, uh, kind of with... exoticizing and villainizing, like, foreigners. Like, there's not, there's yeah. some unfortunate subtext to RE4. Also, not as bad like, as five, that game leers a lot an underage girl, and it doesn't think it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, I'm gonna go with Pathologic by it's it's so hard, but yeah, I'll I'll vote for Pathologic and push it up. And I've got my own impassioned speech I might give depending on where we go here. Oh God. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chelsea. How does Pathologic compare to number nine, Cookies Bustle, a a point and click adventure game about a little girl who's also a teddy bear creature? Who goes to uh, Ireland to compete in the Olympics and gets caught up in the complex political revolution taking place as a result of the alien contact the people of the island experienced years ago? Cookie. Alright, that's one for Cookie's Bustle. Crystal. Pathologic. That's one for each. Fabby. Someone should make a really good essay about the themes and intentions of Cookie's Bustle. And then maybe we'll talk about it. Um, sure. And, or at least a couple of decent Let's Plays that walk me through it and not just the game. That'd be nice. Uh, that, I would enjoy yeah. that. Uh, Pathologic. All right. That's two for Pathologic. Nick. You know, I was there the night the Cookies Bustle was placed. Oh, you were? Yeah, That's I right. was. And I was for it at that time. <laughs> and I think now I'm going to go with Pathologic. All right, Pathologic uh, wins and is locked into the top ten. Dang. Uh, that moves it up. <laughs> Nick, how does uh, Pathologic compare to number four? Emergency Call Ambulance. One of those games that, like, we all rally behind, usually because one person really loves them, and then... It's like waking up from a night of drinking and be like, what the fuck did I do? This is this is this episode is like the season finale that like brings together all the loose plot threads of the last ten episodes. Uh, <laughs> Everything was set up perfectly, yeah. so this no, could happen. Like, good job, y'all. Like I know a lot of people say it doesn't make sense for Let's Place to be a a scripted podcast, and I'm gonna break through the script here for a second. But y'all have really done an excellent job. When I got the script, I was like, "Yes, we finally getting to the place that I want to get to." <laughs> anyway, Nick, uh, Emergency Call Ambulance is an arcade driving game. It is essentially uh, a clone of Crazy. I played this game by the way. Driving it, they oh, had nice. this arcade. Uh, instead of driving a taxi cab, Sorry. you drive an ambulance to get people uh. to the hospital. Sorry, now go no, ahead, no. Fabby. Uh, I I I think this 
Mexico has a weird relationship with arcades that we got a lot of things that America didn't uh, because of different like exploring and parts. But like my arcade in Matamoros, Mexico had emergency call ambulance. Uh, I played it. It's a fun as heck game to play. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Nick, how do you vote? So I really like Crazy Taxi, and I would probably yeah. really like this, too. So I'm going to say Emergency Call Ambulance. All right. Fabi, how about you? Pathologic. Okay, that's one for each. Crystal. Pathologic. Chelsea. Emergency. That ties it. I'm going to go for Pathologic. All right, all right. Uh, I'll save it, because it's about to have some very hard fights. Yeah. That I... was Pathologic up. Ah. Chelsea, it is now Pathologic versus Undertale, and I know how you're going to vote. Okay. If I can just say my piece about Pathologic for a moment. Of course. Uh, if I can just get as deep up my own ass please, as I've ever Honestly, gotten. please do, because I don't know how, which way I'm going to go with this. I forget when it happened exactly, but infamously, film critic Roger Ebert once said that video games cannot be art. And it made all gamers everywhere furious with a man who writes about movies. But I th- And he I think never he backed a, down. A, from one perspective, he was obviously wrong. From another, I think there was something to what he was saying. Because here's the thing. Video games are comprised of pieces of art. There's beautiful music. There is beautiful, uh, you know, uh, visual art. There's level design, architecture. Uh, so much art artistry goes into producing a video game, but a video game itself is incomplete uh, because it's lacking the player action. I think a video game in and of itself is not a work of art. I think the experience of playing a video game is a work of art. Uh, ultimately, you are playing as a character in a video game. You're like an actor and you've been given a role that you play. And some games give you a lot of uh, latitude in how you define your role, like RPGs, that kind of thing. Some of them are very uh, specific. No, you are Nathan Drake, and you're going to go here and do that. But even then, you get to make choices about how you portray that character in that world. You can wander around. You can shoot at the ceiling if you want. You can do everything you can to undermine the narrative. You make creative choices in the same way an actor in a play or film makes creative choices. And until you've added that spark, I don't think you've created a work of art with a video game. Pathologic, I think, understands that. And it wants to engage in that directly. And that's where it brings in all of these uh, theater concepts. Uh, It's... I don't know a lot about theater, but I, I believe it's kind of, I think Brechtian is the right word, where it's like, blurs the line between the, the fourth wall. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a wall, it's a fuzzy space that it just wants to live in. And it doesn't really, it, it knows that you are simultaneously yourself, and you are the character you're portraying, and it wants to address the friction between those two things, and really make you have to think through that, and figure out what that means and if there's any greater implications to that like what does it mean to inhabit a fictional space and does that relate to how you inhabit the real world how are they the same how are they different and how are those differences meaningful and it does that by exploring a situation that is 
uh, apocalyptic. It's horrible. It's the worst kind of living that a person can experience where people are dying in mass and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's really a question of how long before it comes for you too. Um, it is a game that does one of my favorite things that I'm, it, it happens to other pieces of art, but I think it really works great in games where everything about it is dark and violent and cynical. It's the worst case that you can have, but it's not ultimately a cynical game. It's about how you can find hope even in those darkest moments. That's why I like Nier Automata so much. That's what that game is. It's 40 hours of misery with five minutes of triumphant hope at the very end. And Pathologic is not quite that, um, uh, like, differentiated by that. That hope is more diffused throughout it, but it's there, and it's beautiful. And this is kind of rambling, and I'm not really building up to a, a central point other than I just think Pathologic is cool. I, I <laughs> Anyway, Chelsea, with, go ahead and vote for Undertale Well, can, can, I, can I add to this? Because this is the episode that we're up on our own asses the most. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I agree with everything you say. I think that I really love about Pathologic is that you're when you were talking about that it's not hard until you played. It made me think of video games as this uh, piece of like performance art, but performance exactly, art that yeah. you are you are doing the performance. You must right. You're do performing the performance. it for yourself. Yeah, it's similar to tabletop games. Yes, you know. But but uh, and obviously yeah. these days you also perform for audiences yeah. sometimes on yeah. streams and stuff. Uh, but it's it's this weird weird thing and like there's the, the in the original Pathologic I don't know if this is in Pathologic too but in the Pathologic you mentioned the theater the theater itself the shape it's a theater in the round it's it's a yeah it's a theater that it has no walls it's just a circle and you can walk around and look at the theater and look at the three main characters have discussions and arguments the three characters that you play by the way and you are someone else you are you you are the player walking around looking at the three characters you could play having discussions and arguments and this idea of a theater in the round i think also works really well for a video game because you can walk around it you can see all of it it it's, it has you can look through all its flaws and all its jankiness and problems and that's part of the experience the jank is part yeah, of the definitely. game Legitimately, yeah. uh, not okay. just as an excuse. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, Chelsea, go ahead and vote for Undertale. Undertale. <laughs> Crystal. Pathologic. It's one for each. Fab. Pathologic. I talked my. You talked me, and then I talked myself into it. I. I no. I <laughs> want to talk about it for just a second. Let me be a little asshole. Um, all right. All right. All right. We do have another game. Yeah. To get to. Undertale. That's okay. Undertale. I said it's my second favorite game of all time. My first favorite game of all yeah. time has been passed already. Butterfly Soup. I think this game is more important than the games I like. So that's my vote. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Nick. There have been some mighty impassioned arguments for Pathologic. So in light of that, I'm going to vote for Undertale. Okay. That ties it and brings it to me. Uh, here's the thing. Undertale's about all the same things. And uh, I don't know if it's better than Pathologic 2. I think it's better than Pathologic 1. It, it has the same uh, concern with, like, 
being emotionally present in the world and relating to Can... the world around you, understanding it. Can uh, I try one you know, argument uh, against to to dissuade you? Okay, go for it. If you want to go play uh, Undertale, it's there. It's super easy to get to. It's super easy to play. It's literally now yeah. on every console. And if you don't like playing right. games, you can watch hundreds and maybe even millions, thousands at least, of Let's Players playing the game. The amount yes. of pathologic that's out there is way, way less. So I, right. And I'm not saying this show is influential at all. I'm not saying this show will change anyone's mind. But I think it's our moral, and I'm being an asshole here, but I mean it. I think it's our moral imperative to push a game that less people have heard of, that less people have played, to the top, rather than my second favorite game of all time, Undertale. I think uh, I hear you. I think on that front. Fuck you, Luke. I think on that front, Pathologic landing at number three is just fine. Um... I think you're you're certainly right that Undertale is out there. People know about Undertale uh, much more than Pathologic. I would say, you know, you had your whole thing about how, hey, it's okay to have a game that's not really playable or not, you know, mm -hmm. it's more interesting to read about and to watch than to play yourself. But just think, again, I think Undertale covers a lot of the same themes as Pathologic, and it's very playable. Yeah. Uh, it's very, it's it's much more accessible um, even if the, the dodging combat is too difficult for you, there's, like you said, millions of Let's Plays out there you can watch. It's a game that takes the complicated, kind of uh, navel-gazy themes of Pathologic, which I adore, and it simplifies them and puts a an energy of fun and whimsy into them that makes them more digestible for far more people, and I think there's a lot of value in that. And I'm voting for Undertale. If this was Pathologic 2, I'd probably give it to Pathologic 2. But I think Undertale wins. And that's what I have to say about that. Uh, Nick, how's Pathologic compared to StarCraft? Mm, pathologic. Fabby. Pathologic. Crystal. Pathologic. Chelsea. Pathologic. All right. With that, Pathologic is placed at number three, directly above StarCraft, directly below Undertale. Congratulations to Pathologic for cracking the top five. Uh, let's see. Top three? Uh, the Missing is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Missing is no longer in the top ten, which a is shame. a crime. Yeah. yeah, that game's beautiful. Everyone should play it. Halo is no longer in the top 50. Which is, and, you know, uh, yeah. things were worth it. This, this podcast was worth yeah. it. Uh, Bionicle Motnui Adventure is no longer in the top 100. Which is a crime. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got one last game to do. I talked a lot on that one, uh, but it wasn't my nomination. It was Crystal's. This one's my nomination. It's Rock Band 2. Let's, I'm, I'm going to start with what Moby Games has to say about Rock Band 2 here. Rock Band 2 is the sequel to the 2007 musical simulation game Rock Band and offers similar gameplay. Directly competing with Guitar Hero World Tour, the game allows different people to play together as in a band with the same peripherals as the first game. Lead guitar, bass guitar, microphone, and a drum set. The new drum and guitar controls for this version, bundled or sold separately, have been revised for and older controllers are also supported. 
the guitar controller, modeled after the Fender Stratocaster, has five added additional fret buttons near the neck for fast finger tapping sessions. There is also an effect switch to toggle between five different effects. Players use the instruments to match notes on the screen, divided in different portions for different instruments, along with the lyrics for the singer who need to match the pitch. The original game's solo tour mode and the multiplayer band world tour mode have been merged into a single tour mode where up to four players can cooperate, both local and online. Band leaders are no longer necessary and instruments can be swapped at will. From this mode, three options are available. Start tour, tour challenge, and battle of the bands. Uh, the game includes a training mode for the different instruments, as well as a freestyle mode for drummers where they can drum along with custom MP3 files. I didn't know about that part. Uh, other modes and modifiers for the regular game modes can be selected from an extras menu. Okay. Everything I just said about Pathologic and how video games are performance art for mm -hmm. yourself, I think Rock Band is in some ways the epitome of that concept. Yes. Mm -hmm. Rock Band is a game about engaging with music. It takes, you know, playing a musical instrument is hard. Uh, I played trombone a little bit in middle school and I was bad at it. I was the best of the trombone players because I was a tall kid and I was the only one with arms long enough to hit the low notes on trombone. But other than that, I wasn't good at playing the trombone or reading music. I don't get music very well. It's not a part of my brain that works very well. That, that, that's not the right way to put it, but like I have a hard time critically engaging in music. I know what I like, I know what I don't like, and I, I have a hard time getting much deeper than that. Rock Band helped me to understand the craft of music. Obviously, the plastic instruments are much simpler than real musical instruments. That's kind of the point. But even just the act of, like, I'm playing guitar mode, and it's turned down all the tracks except for the guitar track... And it's, like, isolated it. And now I can understand what the guitar is adding to this song or what the bass is adding to this song. This song that I kind of thought was whatever, wow, this bass line is really complicated and interesting to play. That's cool. I appreciate this song on a level I didn't before. It's about music, and it's about understanding the craft of music and the joy of performing music. And the multiplayer features help you to share that joy with your friends which I think is, is just beautiful. I chose Rock Band 2 specifically over 1 because this was the game where they really doubled down on avoiding covers. Rock Band 1 was getting away from that a lot, they, but they still had a lot of covers in it. Rock Band 2 is about like, hey, here's all these great songs you know from decades of pop music uh, and rock and roll, and we're going to just dump them all in here for you to play and interact with in a way that you couldn't before Rock Band existed. It is such just a cool thing that just makes music come to life in a way that it doesn't, unless you are capable of playing the guitar in real life. I think it's incredibly special, and I definitely get why the uh, whole like plastic instrument thing fell apart. People got sick of having a bunch of fucking plastic toys cluttering up their closet or whatever. I get that. But man, when these games were at their height and it was very easy to just get a bunch of friends over to just, and everyone's like picking some of their favorite songs, because most of your favorite songs are in Rock Band as DLC. And it's just, you're, you're sharing music with your friends, you're, you're simulating the performance of music with your friends, and it's just, it is this really just 
monolithic like celebration of an art form, and I think that's so cool. And that's my piece about Rock Band 2 and why it's the best game of the 2000s. Yeah, uh, Fabi will know this well, but I think mm-hmm. often the, the party game is often overlooked. The yeah. social aspects of games are often overlooked. I think one of those reasons is because they're so ephemeral. Yeah. Like, Rock Band 4 came out, no one gave a shit because that moment right. was gone, even though that's, like, probably a better game than Rock Band right, 2. Right, mechanically, it's the most advanced one, Yeah, but who cares? But Rock Band 2 is the one. This was the this was the peak of this moment for plastic music musical instrument games. And yeah. it's hard to recapture that, but it was a really special moment. It was. It was. Uh, I, I loved it a lot. In my in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I really really like this game. This is the second best rock band, and you can we and this is debatable and arguable and very subjective. Yeah. But I think Beatles rock band edges us out in just mm, uh-huh. presentation and uh, dedication. Where you like and like it, it depends where you enjoy, like appreciate or hate the Beatles music. Um, right. I grew up listening to it. It reminds me a lot of my my dad, so it has a place in my life. Uh, it's not always a yeah. good place because of, uh, there's a lot of things related to the Beatles that I. It's a lot, but the game itself, I think, it captured what was good about Rock Band Two in particular, and just like turned it up to eleven and created like a perfect gaming experience for when I play that game with my friends i beatles rock band is probably the one i would want to play the most yeah beatles rock band is awesome and it's such a cool treatment of those songs like they basically made music videos for a bunch of beatles songs and they do a good job on a lot of them i think i think that was the best version of that game that it could have possibly been i i go more towards rock band 2 just because it has the variety Mm mm-hmm yeah. Uh, I just wanted, and I went to double check. Of course, this game, uh, Rock Band 2, couldn't have existed without previous rhythm games that led the way. Uh, and oh, of course. course the most... You don't get to Rock Band 2 without Parappa the Rapper. No, and you don't get to Rock Band 2 without Mario Party 1 uh, and the minigame <laughs> Mario's Big Band, where you could play the drums like in Mario, like in uh, Rock Band 2, but also the trumpet and the cello, which really, they never added those. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, really should have like, done Rock Mar- Band Ska with a plastic trumpet. Like, Mari- the Nintendo 64 is the console that, like, popularized the idea of let's get four people on four controllers. Yeah. And Mario right. Party was, like, the most popular multiplayer game on that. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I would have thought it was Mario Kart. Maybe. Meh. One of them, at I, least. Yeah, I was looking at Mario Party 8 when I was trying to decide which game. And in the Wikipedia page, it does, don't quote me on it, but it does say that 8 is one of the best-selling Mario, it's one of the best-selling games for the Wii. Uh, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise if Mario Party 1 is one of the best-selling games for the That's fair. 64. But right. Rock Band 2 is yeah. very a game very of the 2000s. It's a game that I think epitomizes, like, what... Multiplayer gaming in that decade is like, was like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's get to placing it, Chelsea. Yes. How does Rock Band Two compare to number three hundred eight, Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, 
a fan game that has Mega Man facing off against a bunch of street fighters. Rock Band. That's one for Rock Band. Crystal. Rock Band. Fabby. I really like this one, but I'm going to go for Rock Band. All right. And Nick. Street Fighter Cross Mega Man was kind of cool that they put out a fan game um, officially, but I think this was yeah. also kind of in the period when Capcom was just kind of giving the big old middle finger to Mega Man, yeah. and since it and yeah. Street Fighter are the same age, it really felt like more preferential treatment for Street Fighter. Uh, I'm going to give it to Rock right. Band. All right. Uh, Rock Band moves up. Uh, uh, Nick, how does it compare to number 154? Oh, another Capcom game. Uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. A puzzle battling game based on Street Fighter. Mm. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Rock Band. All right, Fabby. I'm having a legitimately hard time because my <laughs> you gut come reaction. Back you? you know, I like puzzle games. Like you hey, and I. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, game. you and I differ in a lot of our gaming preferences, but puzzle games is is a thing that we both enjoy. Um, and I, yeah. I, I played a lot of Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo HD Remix, but if you, it depended, right? Because if you said, do you want to play, hey, you're going to play a game alone, I would go with Super Puzzle Fighter. But if you said you want to play a game with your friends, I would immediately go for Rock Band. So it becomes, this shouldn't be a hard choice, but maybe it's because I've, we spend all day making hard choices. I, my brain is broken at this point. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So can you pass me? <laughs> All right, Crystal. Rock Band. Chelsea. Um, Super Puzzle Fighter. Coming back to you, Fabi. Team Gal, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, rock, rock Band. Rock Band. All right. I don't like it, but Rock Band. Rock Band takes it <sighs> and moves up to number 76. Chelsea, how does Rock Band Game 2 compare to... Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, a game you and me are currently playing through together. You're an attorney. You gotta solve crimes. Uh, this attorney. Alright. Crystal. Rock Band. Fabby. Rock Band. Alright, and Nick. Uh, rock Band. Alright, Rock Band takes it and moves up to number 38. Nick, how does uh, Rock Band compare to Chibi Robo Plug Into Adventure, a GameCube game about being a tiny little robot that's gotta clean up the house? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Rock Band. All right, Fabby. Rock Band. Crystal. Rock Band 2. All right, Rock Band takes it. I think Chelsea stepped away from her computer. Which moves us up to number 19. Crystal, how does Rock Band compare to, oh, my other favorite rhythm game, Elite Beat Agents, a Nintendo DS game where you're a couple of secret agents who have to cheerlead people to music in order to help them succeed in life. Uh, these are definitely among the two best rhythm games of all time. Yup. But I guess I'm gonna go with the multiplayer one. Okay, that's fair. That's one for Rock Band. Uh, Chelsea? Chibi Robo. Oh, we're only beating. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to say <laughs> <Okay>. my piece. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I was so distracted by wanting to say that. What was it up against? Elite Beat Agents. Right, EBA. Alright, uh, Fabby. Um, it, it it's the same as the puzzle, puzzle turbo argument. Yeah, playing by myself or playing it with friends. I'm right, and I think video games sometimes, sometimes maybe at its best, 
I don't know. It's hard. They can be really good with friends. Even bad ones. They can be. But good ones even better. I'm gonna go for Rock Band. Okay. That's two for Rock Band. Nick. Also Rock Band. All right. Rock Band takes it, and I'm glad I don't have to make that call. <laughs> Uh, that moves us up to number nine. Nick, how does Rock Band 2 compare to Celeste? Uh, High-difficulty platformer all about a depressed young woman uh, trying to get out of the rut in her life by climbing a mountain. Uh, Celeste. All right, Fabby. Celeste is a trans woman, and if you do not agree with this, please do not listen to anything I work on, ever. Facts. Uh, Celeste. Uh, Crystal. Rock Band 2. All right, that's two for Celeste, one for Rock Band. Chelsea. Celeste. Celeste takes it. Ooh, Rock Band is slapped down to number 14. Chelsea, how does Rock Band compare to Grim Fandango? Grim Fandango. Uh, A point-and-click adventure game about a skeleton man. Uh, Crystal, how about you? Rock Band 2. All right, uh, Fabby. Grim Fandango. All right, and Nick. Fandango. Grim Fandango takes it. Rock Band 2 moves down to number 16. Uh, Nick, how does it compare to The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask? The best Zelda. Uh, That's going to be Majora's Mask. Hell yeah. I mean, oh, wait. No, I'm (laughs) conflicted. Fabby? Rock Band 2. All right, that's one for each. Crystal? Majora. All right, that is two for Majora's Mask. Chelsea? Um, Majora's Mask. All right, Majora's Mask takes it, and Rock Band 2 moves down to number 17. Chelsea, how does it compare to Mother 3, the RPG about a sad little boy what lost his family? Mother 3. Chelsea, did you just get really tired? No, I've been really <laughs> tired for, like, two games now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to be in it's, bed. It's been a long episode. We're almost done. Uh, Crystal. Earthbound 2. All right, Fabby. Rock Band 2. And Nick. Mother 3. All right, Mother takes it, and Rock Band moves down to number 18 for one last game. Nick, how does uh, Rock Band 2 compare to Bishojo Senshi Sailor Moon, another story, a JRPG all about everyone's favorite Sailor Scouts? Ooh. Yeah, finally one that's difficult. Uh, that's going to be Sailor Moon. All right, Fabby. Sailor Moon. Crystal. Sailor Moon. All right, and Chelsea. Sailor Moon. Alright, Sailor Moon takes it, and with that, Rock Band is placed at number 19, directly above Elite Beat Agents, directly below Bishojo Senshi Sailor Moon. Uh, And with that, we have done it. We've placed the games of the 2000s. Congratulations to Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door for being both the best game of the 2000s and the best game of all time. Let's see, Rock Band hitting the top, hitting 19 means that... Uh, what's, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, no longer in the top 50. A shame. And, uh, there's better Kingdom oh, Hearts Oh, yeah, it, I, in this podcast, I said in this podcast, and everyone yelled at me, I said it was, like, the fourth, I don't remember exactly, but I said it was the fourth or fifth best Kingdom Hearts game, and... You like Recoded, I right? love Re- Recoded, is the third Hell best. Hell yes, Fabi. See, I didn't have yeah. the opinion yeah. about Kingdom Hearts at the you time. You should know no, that Recoded is the games, best one. Yeah. You should know that my video game opinions are always correct. Um, and and okay for the for the record is Chain of Memories. Mm, no, yeah. it's 358 Chain of Memories recorded. 
Uh, I don't like 358 as much as you, but I, I understand. Yeah. Anyway, uh, help my large dog no longer in the top 100. That's a crime. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the bottom and top 10 and get the hell out of here. This has been a long one. Uh, our bottom 10, starting at number 611, Medal of Honor Warfighter. 612, Tommy's Air Shark. 613, Megamind the Blue Defender. 614, Under Zero. 615, Accordion Hero. 616, Minion Pregnancy. 617, Time of Silence. Uh, 618, Lucky Charms Memory Machine. 619, Mechanica. And 620, South Park, The Stick of Truth, the worst game of all time to our knowledge. Meanwhile, our top 10 has seen some big shakeups. I gotta figure out new bits to do while I read these titles. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at number ten, uh, you bustle. missed. I, you missed out on saying uh, "chill off" every episode. <laughs> uh, number ten, cookies bustle. Number nine, Celeste. Number eight, butterfly soup. Number seven, Pac-Man Two: The New Adventures. Number six, Portal Two. Number five, Emergency Call Ambulance. Wee woo wee woo. Number four, Starcraft. Number three, Pathologic. Number two, Undertale. And number one, the best game of all time to our knowledge, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Whoo-wee. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, plug what you want to plug. Uh, you can find me at Nitzfestivus on Twitter. You can find the Audio Entropy Discord on the Audio Entropy Twitter. It's the pinned tweet. It should be. Come join the Discord. It's a good Discord. Let me sleep. Yeah, and also uh, I go to the Discord to get guests for the show. So if you want to be on the show, hang out in the Discord and just keep an eye out for when I just come in and say, hey, tonight we're doing an episode. That's how I, I got here. much advance notice. Hell yeah. Uh, Crystal, how about you? You can find me at Arcane Crystal. All right. Fabby? You can find me on Twitter at FrankieExtra. Uh, you can find there everything I do, but also, if you're interested, you can find the porn that I do at FabbyQ. Great. Uh, Nick, and, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NixFeratu underscore NH. That's N-I-X-F-E-R-A-T-U underscore N-H. All right. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, if you want, I wrote a game of the year list, because that's fun to do. Uh, I talk about Pathologic 2 a lot on it. You can go read that list. Uh, uh, there's good games this year, last year. They were all good. Yeah. We also recorded a two-hour two episode about Pathologic 2 that you can listen to on the Skies of Academia feed uh, on AudioEntropy.com. Uh, you can find this show on AudioEntropy.com along with many others, such as uh, Teenagers of Attitude, about Power Rangers, Where's Pod When I'm Scared, a show all about Veggie Tales, uh, and just a whole bunch of others. Uh, uh, Strangest Fiction, that's a new one. Strangers that's a, Fiction. Uh, Strangers Fiction, excuse yeah. <laughs> me, I'm sorry. Uh, that one's all about role-playing games. This is a good time. Uh, I don't know, go check it out yourself. We got good stuff there. Um, and if you really, really like us, well, first of all, please rate and subscribe. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. That'd be swell of you. But if you really, really like us, head back on over to AudioEntropy.com and click that motherfucking donut button. Give us some money to buy some donuts, why don't you? 
that would I, we'd appreciate it. Uh, I think that is everything. So let's get the hell out of here. Next time we're gonna do our final games of the decades. It's uh, time for the 2010s finally. Uh, but until then, Chelsea, give us a sign off. Eat your vegetables. Crystal. Maybe if they're good for you. It's the decade of <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> Fabby. Fabby? Did we lose Fabby right at the end here? It Skype closed. Sorry. Great. That's your sign off. Nick. Farewell and good night. You're missing the point, Doctor. And I think you also tend to mix up death and plague, which are actually not the same. You mix up death, death, and death, but they are not the same. You can't even tell death from death. Not the same. How many different words did I use? We'll see you next time on Let's Place. I'm so tired. Gee. Sarcastic. They're being sarcastic.